helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Once again, the United States has reached their borrowing limit. In other words, the U.S. Treasury has borrowed as much money as they are legally allowed to. And as so often happens in these situations, the rhetoric around D.C. is thicker than pea soup. So today, I want to talk about the debt limit and some of the solutions that people have floated to fix this recurring nightmare. After that, I have two interviews from the recent Reawaken America Tour event in Nashville, Tennessee. Specifically, I want to look at two people who are working on solutions to problems that don't involve government spending or interference. Who knows? Maybe these examples of we the people taking care of things ourselves could even help with our debt limit problem. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach a rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you could join me today. Um, I mentioned the Reawaken America Tour, and I'll, we'll talk a bit about that later. But uh, I was there um, back was January 20th and 21st. I was in the media uh, uh, room and uh, had a lot of, met a lot of great people. And I wanted to bring some of those interviews to you. So I'm going to do that later in the program. But today, we're going to start with the debt limit. Now, as I've often said, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 says Congress can lay and collect taxes to do three things. Uh, pay the debts of the United States, provide for the common defense of the United States, and the general welfare of the United States. Capital U, capital S, a proper noun. The same proper noun we find in the Tenth Amendment that says if, you know, if we don't delegate a power to the United States by the Constitution, they don't have it. But what we don't talk about as much is Clause 2, which says Congress has the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. That's it. See, there's no constitutional limit, no algorithm that defines how much money Congress can borrow. Now, they've done that through law. So they authorized the Treasury Department to borrow up to a certain amount of money. Now, the way they do it, as I'm not an economist, but as I understand it, um, basically the... Um, Treasury issues bonds, uh, sells them to the Federal Reserve, which makes up funny money that they give to the Treasury to actually well, pay our bills. And just like your credit card has a debt limit, your, your mortgage, your home equity loans, there's a limit to how much you can borrow on these things. That is established by law by Congress. Now, debt in the United States is nothing new. We've had it pretty much since the beginning. But the amount of debt was more reasonable. Now, a lot of people tend to look at, at the absolute numbers. I tend to prefer to look at things like the percentage of the gross domestic product. Think of it this way. Take your net paycheck, your, your net salary, your, your W-2, how much money did you take in, and what percentage of that is your debt? Now, going to the U.S. Treasury's website, in 20, fiscal year 2022, which ended in September 30th of 2022, the gross domestic product for the United States was roughly $25 trillion. And we've borrowed over $31 trillion. So think of that for just, just a moment. We're talking about um, spending roughly, was it six? We, we have a debt, 6 
trillion dollars larger than the entire productivity of the United States. In other words, 125% of all the work of all the people in the United States is how much the United States has borrowed in our name. Now, how did we get here? Well, the answer is really, really simple. I know a lot of people like to come up with a lot of complicated things. I like to make things simple. Here's the answer. The uh, federal government in, in 2022 took in a total of $4.44 trillion. However, they spent, uh, was it, $6.5 trillion? I just had that a moment ago. There it is. $6.27 trillion. So I don't know if you can do the math, but it seems pretty, pretty simple. See, if your paycheck is, say, $40,000 a year, but you spend $60,000 a year, it's called going broke. If you're everything you own, everything you do is worth, say, $250,000, but you've borrowed over $310,000, well, you've got a problem. Banks are going to start lending you money. And the only reason this continues, this farce continues, is because the rest of the world looks at the United States and says, where else are we going to put our money? They are the best bet. So again, um, you know, earlier in January, the Treasury hit its limit. It couldn't borrow any more money. And of course, Secretary Yellen is, you know, she's all concerned. It's a, they, they had to use extraordinary measures. I just want to think about this for a second. Remember, the government of the United States, they're like any other entity. They are, you know, they have income and they have expenses. And when the expenses outstrip the income, they can only borrow as long as they can. So what are the extraordinary measures that the Treasury Department is going to do since they can't borrow any more money? See, they're not defaulting on the loans, at least not yet. Everyone says, oh, we're going to default. No, default means we stop paying them. We stop paying the interest. We stop uh, uh, paying off our bonds when they come due. We have not done that. But we are going to have to cut spending. Now, some of the first things that apparently the Treasury is going to do is, um, well, they're going to stop uh, making investments in the Civil Service Retirement Disability Fund, the Postal Service Retirement Health Benefits Fund, and the Government Securities Investment Fund for Federal Employees Retirement System and Thrift Savings Plan. In other words, they're going to stop funding retirement and other benefits for federal employees. Now, I don't know what else they have planned for, because, again, Congress is ultimately the one that tells Treasury where to send the money. Um, maybe we shouldn't be sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Hey, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But let's look at the federal government and let's realize um, how much of what the federal government does is unconstitutional. Maybe if we cut back on that, we wouldn't have this problem in the first place. I did an article last year where I looked at uh, usaspending.gov and realized, you know what? The truly constitutional agencies in the federal government spend uh, roughly four to four and a half trillion dollars a year, which is pretty close to what the federal government brings in a year. That makes sense. So really the problem is all of this unconstitutional spending that's driven this problem. Now, traditionally, Congress simply says, oh, we have to raise a debt ceiling. Wouldn't you love that? Wouldn't you love to, to uh, 
simply go to the, to the store, lay down the credit card, have the, the credit card decline because of insufficient funds, and simply say, oh, no, uh, text them. Nope, raise my credit limit. Oh, yes, yes, Mr. American, Mrs. American, we'll just raise your credit limit, and here you go, spend as much money as you want. It's not sustainable. Hasn't been sustainable for years. This has been an issue for decades, ladies and gentlemen. And in fact, I remember back in 1975 when uh, Johnny Carson asked Ronald Reagan, again, after he was governor, before he was president, how do you solve this problem? I mean, it's not, how do you balance the budget? Well, balancing the budget is like protecting your You don't your spend vir- more than you take in, right? No, it's like protecting your virtue. You have to learn to say no. <laughs> So now let's look at what people are trying to do. Some simply say, we have to increase the, the, the borrowing limit, the, the, the debt limit. In fact, Biden uh, was all mad at, at Speaker McCarthy because he wouldn't give him a clean uh, uh, debt limit raise bill. <clears throat> How about we fix the problem? You know, rather than continuing to just throw money at it, how about we just fix the problem? And how do you fix the problem? Well, as Ronald Reagan said, you learn to say no. You start learning to say no to some of these programs that are unconstitutional, therefore illegal. If the federal government did only what it was legally authorized to do by the Constitution, we wouldn't have this problem. Our budget may be unbalanced, but it would be by millions and and maybe a couple of billion. We wouldn't have trillion-dollar deficits. We wouldn't have multi, you know, tens of trillions of dollars in debt. We could actually fix this, but the problem is nobody wants to take the medicine of... Uh, you know, actually dealing with the problem, learning to say no. Now, some people think, well, the problem is we need to tax more. And they want to have a, a national sales tax to help increase the income to help uh, balance the budget. And one of those ways is with a national sales tax. Now, again, let's start with the constitutional issue. Um, a Congress could create a national sales tax. However, they would have to apportion it to the states meaning it wouldn't be collected by the federal government or by the IRS. It would be collected by the states. And then the states would remit that money up to the federal government. You see, Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3 says, Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states. Now, the 16th Amendment says, Okay, you can collect taxes on income, without being apportioned to the states. But we're not talking about an income tax. We're talking about a sales tax, a consumption tax. Use whatever term you want for it. Now, th- So that's the constitutional issue, is, is Congress would basically say, um, we need to collect uh, whatever. I think I've heard as high as um, 30% uh, uh, sales tax. And before you have a heart attack, just think of how much money you're paying in federal income tax right now. But let's say they do that. All they'd have to do is say, well, based on your representation in Congress, in other words, based on your population from the census, we would have, you know, you would have to collect this sales tax to us, to, to the states, and then the states would uh, send it on to the federal government. And there's an advantage to that. You see, that gives the states a, um, it gives them the power of the purse. See, if Congress simply comes around and says. Uh, you know, hey, if they sound like an auctioneer, yeah, 25, 20% sales tax, 25, 25, do I hear 30, 30, do I hear 40? The states say, whoa, 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 no, we're not going to do that. 
Now, the problem is this would have, in order for this to work, it would have to be tied to a repeal of the 16th Amendment. In other words, Congress would no longer be able to collect taxes on income. They couldn't simply say, yeah, we're going to zero out the income tax and, and put in a sales tax. Legally, they could, but it defeats the purpose, because how long do you think before they're going to do both a sales tax and an income tax? There's a problem. But I do see some benefits to a, a, a consumption-based tax. First of all, you have the basic fundamental understanding that what you tax, you get less of. And what you subsidize, you get more of. So if you think about it, if you're taxing income, that act suppresses income, right? You want you know, Are you going to work an extra 10 hours a week if 50% of what you make goes to the government? Well, maybe not as much, especially with the graduated income tax that we have. But the other part you have here is you can control it. So, you know, you get a paycheck. First of all, you get the paycheck. You don't have the withholding. You don't have the the uh, uh, FICA or any of that nonsense. You get a check for the amount of money you get paid. And then you get to decide, do I want to spend that money and pay the tax on it or do I not? Now, certain things we're going to have to spend money on, right? Food, housing, clothing, energy. But you get to decide, hey, do I want to buy that new car knowing that you know the, the, the more expensive new car or maybe the less expensive new car because of the tax implication. This becomes something. And again, I used to live in New York State. <clears throat> and in New York State, uh, I used to live right on the border with Massachusetts. And we made the conscious decision to buy certain things across the border in Massachusetts because the sales tax was less or the sales tax was applied to different categories of items. You can, um, we will have less of the government trying to manipulate how you do things based on your income, and allow you to decide for yourself. The other thing is, it is, by definition, a, a, a simple sales tax. The people who spend the more, more money will pay more in taxes. We get rid of all of this nonsense about the, the rich not paying their fair share. I mean, if you spend a million dollars on you know, food and clothing, you pay taxes on a million dollars of food and clothing. If you spend $500 on food and clothing, you only spend ta pay taxes on $500 on food and clothing. It is, by definition, a fair tax. Well, uh, it, is, it is fair, not the fair, the fair taxes, a uh, different taxing methodology. But the point is, the taxation is fair. The people get to decide you know, if they're going to participate in something that involves taxes. By the way, that also encourages saving which is a good thing, especially you're saving during your working years. Maybe you're save up for retirement, right? It encourages people to save more so that uh, if an emergency happens, they have money in the bank they can, they can go to. If they're preparing for a, a large purchase like a home or a car, they have encouragement to save. And again, retirement, if they're preparing for retirement, they have encouragement to do these things. These are all... Uh, in my mind, these are all good things, and I, I just I don't trust Congress yet to say not try to uh, set us up for an eventual double taxation. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, I was at the Reawaken America tour. I have a couple of interviews for you. 
But I have to take a break first. Before I go, please check out the website constitutionstudy.com. That's where you can find all the information, not just about the radio program, but also about the other work that we do here at the Constitution Study. Also, if you are worried about being sick, you know, I was just, again, at the at a tour, I was with a whole bunch of people. It's easy to get sick. Well, try Healthy Cells Immune Super Boost. It supports your immune system with over a dozen immune supplements in one easy-to-use travel-ready gel pack. Help prevent you from getting sick, whether you're just around the house or, like me, traveling. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So go to HealthyCell.com, put your cart together. It can include the Immune Super Boost or any of Healthy Cell's great products. When you're done, as you check out, use that code OUTLOUD. It lets them know you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan, a plan based on real science that responds to the real world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. And today, we took a look at the first segment about the debt ceiling. And as I promised, I have a couple of interviews with things that might help in the long run, not just with the debt ceiling, but with, well, with our governance as a whole. 
Now, one of the first ones I, uh, interviews I'm going to bring to you is a gentleman by the name of, of John Paul Moran, and he has an interesting way to help you choose a better candidate. Hello there, everyday Americans. We're back here at the Reawaken America Tour, and I have with me JP and John Paul Moran. He has an organization called Opcor that I want you to hear about. So, well, JP, welcome to the Constitution Study. Tell my audience a little bit about you and about this, uh, this thing you just showed me. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I love being here. Thanks for the time. Um, so my name is John Paul Moran. I run an organization called Grand Opportunity USA. In short, it's Go USA. You can just Google it and find it. And we've been we've been around for, for a few years. Uh, I ran for Congress in 2020 in the bluest state in the country, Massachusetts. Marxachusetts. <laughs> Taxachusetts. I call it Marxachusetts uh, and Taxachusetts. And I saw the dumpster fire that that's American politics. I'm an outsider, business owner, entrepreneur. I used to own a surfing brand. You know, I've had all this, this, this very American upbringing and was horrified to find how bad our, our government really runs, how corrupt it is, and really how dumb and corrupt. And real, I mean, I say dumb with a capital D. Very dumb people in government. And they're supposed to be running the show, but they, they wouldn't run a candy store at, at a beach in the summertime. So... I said, when I, I said, what, what do we do to fix the problem? Because I'm an engineer by trade originally. I'm like, there's got to be a way to fix this problem. It can't be that hard. And the market economy works pretty well. People want a blue car, they buy a blue car. They don't buy the green car. The green car is out of business, right? So we came up with the idea of the op score. It stands for opportunity score. Okay. We're the land of opportunity. People come to America because they want more what? Opportunity. So the inspiration of the name Go Grand Opportunity USA and the op score is that, that central, beautiful world called, called opportunity, which no one can really fight. No one can really object to opportunity, right? It's the ultimate, I think, one of the ultimate American words and, and ideas. So we came up with the idea of the op score. And what it is, is imagine if you could rate your politicians like a Yelp or Rotten Tomatoes. That's not based upon some hard left or right uh, philosophy where you're trying to argue with your neighbor over who's right and who's wrong, but something we can all agree on. Because they are employees and they have a job description. So how about you You think of them like employees and we're the boss and they do their job or they're fired. It's really that's the, the idea of the uh, us versus them type of mentality of the score. And putting that together, we, we look at 25 issues, the top issues Americans care about, and we go right down the line and we see, is this politician following the Constitution they swear on and the will of the people they swear to serve? That's it. That's how it works. Now, do you break down each of those 25 separately? So if someone is like really into one topic, they can look, drill in and look at that? Yeah. So what we do is we just, to, to not make it biased, we give every every issue the same weight. It's five points in the opportunity score from positive five to negative five. Because when they're not serving you, they don't get a zero, they get a negative score. So they're working against you. So we, we break it down. Um, there's five points of opportunity in our logo, the beautiful five-point opportunity American star. And we, we bucketize for the consumer to make it easy. We say, well, let's, let's, let's separate all the issues out into five categories. Okay. So, so personal opportunity, constitutional liberties and rights and freedoms at the top of the star. And then you go around to economic opportunity, social, like health care and uh, equal rights, civil rights, you know, a hand up, not a handout, uh, educational rights, um, educational opportunity, and then national, which is really everything on the national level, borders, uh, police. Uh, elections, things like that. So that's how we looked at it. Then we said, what are those top issues? So of course, it's common sense, First Amendment, Second Amendment, right? You look at economic opportunity, free markets, low taxes, balanced budgets. Th 
things that everybody can agree on, that those are the top issues. And we just simply write, we have the data from lots of polling to show where people stand. 80% plus want voter ID. Why is one damn politician in America against voter ID? Oh, one party benefits from stealing elections. So by doing that, we make it a popular score and we say, are you working for or against the people? And that's how we do it. And we get 80, we've tested it. We get 80 plus percent positive response from a general public, not partisan, uh, partisan people, not partisans. And the beauty is when you look at the data, about 80% of people agree on the issue. So we don't have a divided country. We have a small establishment corrupt class that is jamming things down our throat that we don't want. And we have four to five common sense people disagreeing, but you wouldn't know that from the way, the, the way, the way they vote. That's why we need a score like this. Yeah, because in the most recent election, 96% of the incumbents in Congress won re-election. That's right. So if Congress has a 10 to 15% approval rating, why are 96% of them getting re-elected? You're talking about bringing data to it. And, and I like that. But I love, and, and the reason I asked about drilling down into the data is I'm one of those guys that I want to see the, I, I want to see the underneath. I want to see below the covers. Exactly. Because uh, for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, wh where are you getting that data from? Right, makes it look valid. Yeah. But the other thing is to say, you know what? Um, I may look at somebody that overall has uh, um, a moderate score. Yes. Right? But I look at it from a constitutional standpoint; they are rocking it. Yeah. I want to be able to drill in and see where's what's going on there because that may be something that's of interest to me. And that and 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 what you're talking about is 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 how that's how we design the system. So we have the best of both worlds. We make the score so simple that. Just like a rotten tomatoes here, they're four out of five, which means they're you can probably pretty much trust that 80% of the time they're working for the American people. If you want to be a simple-minded person and say, I'm just going to go with a someone that's got a generally good score, well, that's better than voting for someone that's got a negative score, right? Um, but ultimately, it's much better for the voter to be educated. And so as you drill into it, you can click on it. And if your voters could see it, you could see, you could find the score, you click on, say you say, say you care about CRT in schools. You go to educational opportunity. You go to the third point down, which is, uh, parents' rights over their children in schools and no political indoctrination in schools. You click on that, and then you see the smoking gun. The article, the, the voting record, the statement on the website, we put the evidence right there for you to find. And then we we all, then we then show where do the people stand. Okay, now you, now you know where that person stands. Where does 80% of the people or 70% or what does the Constitution say? You click on that part of the score, and it shows where the constitution where the people are and in just one minute you took what would take you maybe 20 hours of research in two minutes you can drill right down to it and it's got to be so simple for consumers to use and that's the problem with people in the conservative movement there's a lot of good data a lot of good people a lot of good ideas but you'd have to open you have to spend 10 hours figuring it out and going through the data and watching all these videos how about you make it so simple it's like rotten tomatoes you click on it oh how's this person on the borders you click on it, there's the evidence. And we let people challenge it. If we're wrong, this is the people's app. So if we're wrong and we say you can get the new version of the app is going to allow you to challenge it, you give data showing where we're wrong and we'll look at it. Because the whole idea is to make it right and accurate and true and cut out the BS and make it for the people. So let's see, you're talking about having accurate data about our employees. You're talking about treating them like employees. Yes. And doing, and doing a continual employee review. So that every every two years at that, that election, that that's their official job review, and um, that's right. Uh, and you're making it easy so that you, you don't need to be an expert to go through all. It sounds like a winner. 
Well, I, I appreciate that. And, and it's not just me. I might have been the brainchild of this, but we have a, we have over well over 100 people that are involved in the, in the movement. It's a small grassroots organization putting thousands of hours in uh, to make this happen. And we had, despite the fact there was no red wave last November that people wanted, there's over 50 people in our WinCom that we supported. We supported not because we're a 501c4. We don't directly support. We just say we score and let, let the voters decide. Well, here's the score side by side. This person's working for you. This person's working against you. And that dynamic with the data we have and the responses we got to generic audiences, we're nine, 80 to 90 percent positive responses for that, which means we're onto something. The common sense people are like, wait a minute. I agree with it. We got the, the Rosetta Stone here of fixing the problem because we have people agreeing on the issues. But why aren't they voting the right way? So they need to be a, that flip. 96% of people don't need to keep their jobs. 96% need to be fired from their jobs. Yeah. And this will help do that in a 365-day-a-year basis. So not just once every two years, but what if you were dinged and exposed on a regular basis? You're gonna, they're going to they're gonna do the will of the people if they're getting that kind of attention. And, and we were talking before we started recording about how, you know, as an employee, they may be awful most of the time, but like the last month before the election, they're going to lie to you and say they're great. This gives them the evidence to know and if we get people ba voting based on the evidence rather than on the uh, the advertising, we can make a difference. And like so many other things, That's it's right. not being done in Washington. It's not being done in the state houses. It's being done around kitchen tables, around living rooms, around offices, all across this great country. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love the fact you. it's so refreshing because I, I mean, I, I try to explain it in the simplest way so anybody can understand it. You got it immediately, which is wonderful because you got you you understand the why we're doing it. And I give you a couple of fun little factoids. Fifteen years ago, before Rotten Tomatoes, you might remember Siskel and Ebert and these other ratings people oh, yeah. would tell you what movies to watch. You know, I like those guys. I'm sure were nice guys, but at the end of the day, it was their opinion. And a big, big, uh, you know, billion. It's a it's a half a trillion dollar industry. They have entertainment industry is five hundred billion dollars. Okay. Wow. They would tell tell us what movies to watch and what TV shows to watch. Like Nodding Chickens, we would go do it and sell Rotten Tomatoes. There's a lot of bullshit out there. But when it comes to the scoring, Rotten Tomatoes audience score seems accurate because it'll be the very opposite of the critic score. I was just thinking of the fact that yet yeah, because I'm Rotten Tomatoes, you've got the audience score and you got the critic score. Yes. It's the audience score that always seems to be turned out right. The critic score, not. The problem is people have been voting based on the critic score. That's right. Now you're the information to vote on. I love it. That's the idea of the Rotten Tomatoes aspect of it is, and also I'm a marketing and advertising executive. It might have a small agency. And people trust um, influencers and social media like 10 to 20 times more than advertising. So when we have an alternative where people can say, this is the voice of the people with citizen raters and ways that anybody can check it and make it open and clear and visible for anybody, I want to be what we see the day when people say, how did I drive from point A to point B without the, the Google map? Right. Mm -hmm. We'd have to open the Rand McNally and, and people can't even imagine those days. Right. <laughs> we want to be like, we want people to think, what did we do without the op score? It's like, we used to like listen to their lies and their BS and, and only listen to the critic score. Like that was the big before Rotten Tomatoes. This will change. We think everything because when people are exposed for what they really stand for, they can't hide from it. And when people get it, it's going to be like, boom, lights going to be on. And, I think this is we and we were just testing it with over virtually no funding. We helped fifty races last time with almost no money. Imagine a fast flying app. We're looking at raising a few million dollars for this. We also are looking for a hundred crack teams. So imagine this. You ever watch Maxwell Smart and, and uh Get Smart? Yep. You know Agent 99? Yep. You ever watch James Bond? He's 007? Yeah. We have exactly amazingly, it's just so interesting. 
exactly 100 special agents that we need, that we're, we're engaging. We're asking people to, to apply to become special agents that will be in charge of watching the 708 most powerful people in our country, which are the Senate, the House, the President and his cabinet, and the three top officials from every state, 708 people. And we're looking, for, we, are, we are taking applications because they need to swear to the Constitution, swear to not be biased, and just put the data in the app in a non-biased way based on the facts, including cor- data on corruption and fraud and everything else and the money trail. By doing that, now we're going to have the, the data coming in from citizen volunteers. And it's a few hours a week to, that we're asking for people's time, but it's going to be, we see this as the eyes uh, and ears on our government, the watchers, making sure they're doing the job. And then everybody is exposed on this app. And if this goes where it can go, everybody in the country will be using this app. And they're all going to be like, what's going on with my corrupt politicians today? So we're looking for a hundred special crack team. And we want to call them Agent 99 and Agent 27. It's gonna, we want to make it fun at the same time. So special agents. So we're looking for people to join the effort and become part of the this the eyes and the ears, sort of like a James Bond mixed with a, you know, a, you know, a, a, a patriot, just keeping the eyes and the ears and watching. Who's watching the watchers? We are. We are. So that's kind of what we're doing. It's fun. People love it. So if your listeners are enjoying, you know, like the idea of it, we're looking for people to support it. Where can they find out more about the about the work we're doing? So thank you. If you go to uh, these things, just go Google G O U S A. Google it. Where there's like two or three other Go USA's and Olympic wrestling camps and whatever else. But you go to go-usa.us, or you could spell grandopportunityusa.org, or you could just Google. Go USA. You can also Google the op score. We just got the trademark um, approved in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office two days ago. So after a year of working on that. So the OPP, the opportunity score, the op score, you can Google that. You can look at ratings from the people from the last election cycle. And we're gearing up by March to have everybody that's in office now. Mm-hmm. The fun, Let the fun begin. The ratings will start. That's so, excellent. Uh, you're, doing, you're doing some great work, John. It, it sounds interesting because you're making it easy and you're making it exciting. And I think, uh, and again, it's we the people that you're bringing in to do this work. So, John, thank you for your time. Thank I hope, you. Uh, again. Thank you for fighting for America, too. It's so exciting to be around. This is like oxygen. You come, it's like we lock oxygen. I'm from Massachusetts. Like, there's no freedom. There's freedom fighters there. There's a lot more than you think. But we're in this tyrannical state. And we're in this tyrannical, effectively, country. But to all tyrants will not, tyrants will meet their end, right? Yeah. Um, six Semper Tyrannus. Thank you. So, Jack, thank you very much for your time. Good luck with the work that you're doing. Thank you. God bless. So, I personally think the idea is is wonderful. Let's take the the um, compilation of data about your candidate. You know, people ask me how do I choose a candidate, uh, and my response has been, well, I ask them a one really difficult question, and that is to show me when. They fulfilled their oath to support the Constitution when it cost them something, when it cost them a job, when it cost them something. It, it had to be something. And I'm honest, 90% of the time, you know, somebody, I, I get some, you know, talking point, and it means absolutely nothing. And as far as I'm concerned, they're not qualified. Now, about 4 to 5% of the time, I'll find somebody who raised their right hand and said, no, I, I took an oath to this country. I went and fought for this country. Uh, sometimes it's someone who I was in law enforcement to help protect my neighbors. Um, you know, and, and I will give them a chance as a first timer. In other words, that's somebody who says, I've stood for something. I understand an oath. 
and they don't have other records to go on. So I'll give them a, a, a shot. It's very rare, though, that I find somebody that says, yeah, you know, I was out there and I supported this bill, uh, even though my leadership kept kept you know fighting against me or or they took away committee assignments or or just um you know i got booted out of the party but it's rare but it happens what i love about this app the, the op score that he that uh, you know john paul's talking about is a it's simple b you can get to the underlying data and th- and c well, now you're getting data from the people, not from the pundits, not from the media. And I think that is truly important for our freedom. Pick better. If you want better representation in Congress, I'd love to see this head down to the state level, the local level. We've got to pick better representatives. We've got to hire better representatives. And this is the data that we need to do that. Now, I've got another interview on the other side of the break. Before I go, though, I want to remind you that the Constitution study is just one of many voices on America Out Loud Talk Radio. AmericaOutloud.com is a great place to stop every day to find the, what's going on in the world, get the latest news, and then get input from different points of view. It's more important than ever. Just as OpScore is about sharing information about our candidates, it's more important than ever that we do our part, that we share these stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos. By doing so, we can work together to help secure the blessings of liberty. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at CofixRx.com. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoined the Constitution study. We started off talking about the debt ceiling, and then we had an interesting interview 
with uh, J.P. Moran about an app he's working on called Opscore to help you not only learn more about your candidates in a way that's easy to digest, but maybe even to contribute to the, the, the data set, contribute to the knowledge base that people will use to choose their, uh, their candidates, their employees. Now, I have another interview that deals with a question that I'm asked regularly. How do we deal with the people who have needs? Whether they be uh, physical needs, financial needs, medical needs, mental needs, how do we deal with them? And it always seems that we ask government to take care of these people for us. And, uh, well, if there's one thing that seems to be endemic, it's the idea that these government programs, these government facilities really are, well, they're not as good as they could be. They seem to be the lowest common denominator. Yeah, think about it. Is the VA the best hospital to go to? Or is the one you go to because as a veteran, you get free medical care? Is uh, a, a state institution the best place to get someone treated? Or are there better options? Well, I interviewed a, a Dr. Jerry Katzenel, uh, and, and he has an interesting idea that he's trying to implement right here in my home state of Tennessee. And uh, well, let me let you let me let him explain it to you. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, everyday Americans, one of the questions I frequently ask is if the state doesn't do this, who will? You know, what happens uh, uh, if you don't have it? And I have with me today, we're at the Reawaken America uh, tour in Nashville, Tennessee. I have Dr. Jerry Carzanel, and uh, he has a very interesting way of dealing with some of his patients that need long-term assistance. Dr. Kazma, thank you very so much for coming here on the Constitution Study. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here among uh, so many like-minded people. And uh, the reason I'm here, actually, this is my first conference not to speak on how to treat autism, bringing in uh, new treatment interventions and protocols to improve the quality of life of children and adults on the autism spectrum. But we're going a little bit further in that the CDC actually notes that there are 5 million adults with autism and about a third of those are not going to be able to ever live on their own. Mm. Housing doesn't exist for them or it is and it's very limited and very, very expensive. Right. Everybody loves the idea of housing for these adults with autism, but nobody actually wants to take the reins and go ahead and procure the property, procure the funding as well as building it out. And that's what we're doing here in Jackson, Tennessee. You mean you don't have to have the government come in and take over in order to have this type of, of, of service for those who are in need? Absolutely sure we don't need the government to come in and help us with this problem. The, you know, the wonderful thing about America is it's still very philanthropic. And uh, a lot of my patients, um, some of them come from great wealth that will be more than happy to help us fund this. And the model will be that you come with what you have. So if the if the child only comes with a social security disability income check or if the parents happen to have several million dollars in life insurance at end of life or their estate or somebody comes with 25 million dollars we'll take them but once you're in you're in and we're not demanding a six thousand dollars seven thousand or ten thousand dollar a month fee it's going to be uh included the facility itself, besides having the housing, which will be absolutely stunning, will have uh, complete programs, day programs for them, which will include uh, indoor aquatics, pool, okay. gymnasium, weight room, classrooms for learning, computer labs, arts and crafts, 
And for those uh, young men and women who can work, we'll have work opportunities for them. If they can work off-site, that's great. But the majority of the, the uh, young men and women I'll be working with uh, don't have that capacity to even work at a grocery store. But they do have the capacity to do something, something enjoyment, and that's what we're going to do. Well, you're describing that, but forget the autism. People would want to stay in the facility like that anyway. Those are some very nice amenities. I wish your, your, your listeners can see what we're doing, but I've already had parents say, how do we buy a house here? And it's like, you could buy a house in the periphery, but not on our property, and you can be a part of it. But your young men and women need to build a community. See, we're not building just homes for, if you will, the disabled. We're building communities. We're building love. We're building a lifetime plan for them after moms and dads can no longer take care of them, whether it's through illness, sick, or they're passing away. And what you described is not... We're going to take care of them. We're going to house them. You're talking about treating them as, as real human beings, which they are, and giving them opportunities to fulfill whatever potential they have. If I understand you correctly. Absolutely. You know, I guess it really helps because the moms and dads that are involved with this project have children on the spectrum that are going to require this kind of oversight. My son, for example, has autism. He also has diabetes. He could not calculate the amount of insulin he needs each day. Then it's not a, a same dose every day. It actually goes up and down depending on where his blood sugars are. Other children have seizure disorders and they need their seizure meds. They can't miss a dose. So not only will this facility have uh, life enrichment programs that will keep their minds engaged, that they will be uh, able to grow spiritually, physically, mentally, but we'll also take care of them health-wise too. Part of the facility will have not only salons for the for the ladies' hairs and nails to be done, but we're going to have a, a medical center where doctors can come in from outside the community, take care of the, the young ladies' GYN issues or their physical exams. If they have a sick day or two, they don't have to go off-site. We can take care of them. And this facility will luckily have me as a physician to watch over them as long as I'm able to. Well, I mean, it sounds absolutely incredible. And you said this is in Jackson, Tennessee. You've already acquired the property? We have a contract on the property right now. Okay. We're doing our due diligence and running everything that we're doing through the city planner, which we've already got approval for. Mm -hmm. Then the city council will have an opportunity to have their uh, uh, approval and, and recommendations and rezoning. And then it goes to, you know, the fundraising to actually buy the property. And, of course, um, start funding the buildings that we're going to require. So this is really early stages. Now, have you had any issues with the uh, not in my backyard syndrome? Well, that's one of the reasons that we came to Jackson, Tennessee. People are demanding this. They are so excited to have a facility that will not only have daytime drop-offs for their young men and women. Say the parents aren't really interested in, in total care for their child, but they would like the child to be engaged actively, mentally, spiritually, physically during the days and maybe have some respite care on some occasional weekends while the parents get away, but they're not ready for their child to be full-time there, we'll have that. No, absolutely. When I first discussed it with the city planner, he said, oh, absolutely, we want this. We talked to government officials. Absolutely, we want this. We need to have something like this. We're excited to have this. Yeah, they can use that 42 acres and put high-density living in there and make a lot more taxes, they're, they're, they're all for this. They're excited. That, that is wonderful to hear because what you're talking about is a, a private nonprofit organization that sees a need 
And they're not fighting with the local government. They're working, they're excited. They're fulfilling a need. And unlike if the state were to come in and do it, if you guys don't live up to your promises, people are not going to give you money. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing about Jackson is it's got five colleges and universities right there. Those um, kids in training in their graduate, undergraduate work for ABA therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, this is a beautiful place for them to hone their skills and do their practicums. And it's a great source for our, our young men and women to have constant uh, interventions for those that are it's appropriate for. Uh, so it's going to be really help the, uh, the whole community as well as the school system. So even the school systems like Union University are excited. The other thing about Jackson is that people really want to work there. You know, there's a lot of folks out there who can't even get people to work at their UPS or their McDonald's or whatever. People are actually excited to be able to work at a facility like this. In other words, this is what I refer to. This is a true ground up. Let's solve the problem. Let's not look for someone just going to drop money in and deal with it. And uh, it's the way it's the way the nation was designed to work. It's the way a republic is supposed to work. And uh, it's, it's out in, in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, I'm I'm going to follow up with what's going on because it sounds like. Um, it sounds like the solution to so many problems I hear. No, every, you know, everybody keeps saying, "Just let the government do it." Just I'm, it reminds me of uh, was it Scrooge? My wife and I watch the um, George C. Scott version of A Christmas Carol every year, and he goes, "Aren't there? Well, aren't there workhouses? Aren't there prisons? My taxes pay for that. They should take care of it." No, you're saying we, the people, can take care of our neighbors and not expect some nameless faces bureaucracy to do that and i wish you all the best it sounds like a like i said it, it sounds like an incredible facility and um i hope it goes it goes smoothly keep in touch and uh as we go we'll invite you out there and you can tour the grounds and facilities and watch it build as the ground up i'd love to thank you very much uh that uh dr carcinelli 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 it's the italian in the end uh, thank you for your time. Uh, good luck with your project. I wish you the blessings on it because it sounds like an incredible thing. And with uh, all the media frenzy that's going on here at the, at the tour. Absolutely. So there we have uh, an individual who has, an, he has a plan. He has a child on the autism spectrum. And he recognizes that there are people that have young children and young adults and eventually the parents are not going to be able to take care of them. And rather than putting them into a state home, a state institution, can we come up with something better? And then how do we fund this, right? Uh, you know, if you come in, as he said, if all you've got is social security disability, that's okay. Because we've got people that have money that are willing to help support this. Because the American people, we're a generous nation. I don't mean the government giving out our money for us. I mean, as a people, the American people are generous. So uh, I hope you'll consider uh, uh, donating once they get to the point where they're, they're collecting funds. It's called Home Life Community. You can find them online at, at homelifecommunity.org. Uh, I don't know if they're uh, collecting donations yet, but I, it's the type of thing that I, I would encourage people to keep in touch with. Whether you have a, a child or a family member that one day will need some special care or not, um, this is how we care for our neighbors. 
This is how we, the people, take care of each other. Because, again, when we let government do it, you end up with the institutional housing. You know, I I laugh. I talk about uh, when I was a younger man, I spent several months in a state institution. It was the State University of New York, which, by the way, did look like a cross between a prison and a mental institution. At least some of the buildings did. And, And it's that, you know, do we want the least common denominator or is there something better we can do and how do we do that? So I know we covered a lot of things today. We started off with the debt ceiling and um, the, uh, you know, the fact that we ran up to debt ceiling, why that we have a debt ceiling, uh, how big a problem is it, and maybe some ways we could deal with it. You know, do, you, do you continue feeding the beast or do you finally stand up and say, no, you have a problem, we have to deal with it. And if it means playing brinksmanship with the debt ceiling, then that's what we have to do. And I don't see that as a problem. I see that as people taking responsibility for the, for the mistakes of the past. The same way I see with, with Opscore saying, listen, we can whine and cry and stamp our feet and complain about all those dirty, rotten politicians and, and how bad the media is and, and how rigged the elections are. Or we can do something about it. We can uh, come up with a system to help spread the information about what your, our employees are actually doing. And I love the, the, the idea of secret agents. We're going to have people keeping an eye on the members of Congress, the president, the cabinet secretaries. We're going to keep an eye on you. And we're going to report on what's going on. Same, and it was a top three, I believe he said, in the state uh, governments as well. Let's keep an eye on them and then give you an easy way to see how they're doing on an objective scale. I mean, to me, that is a better way to choose a candidate than uh, voting for donkeys or elephants or looking in the newspaper or the flyers or the ads or just, you know, closing your eyes and pointing at the screen. Let's get good information and then make better decisions. And then finally, is there a better way to take care of the people who have needs? Letting government do it, well, it seems almost heartless in many cases. I mean, the, the evidence is there that when we turn people into nothing more than numbers or, na- or files and we dehumanize them, well, we end up with these institutionalized people. And, and, and I don't think that's where the, the heart of the most Americans want them. So to have somebody that says, hey, we think we have a better way. Let's give it a try. And then to have their local government saying, we love the idea. Look at how we can work together where the, the government, rather than providing everything, decides we're not going to get in the way. We're going to work with them on, on the zoning and, and, and the permits and whatnot so that they can set this up because they'll solve a problem for us. That's why we have uh, tax-exempt organizations. It's why we have these charitable organizations, these not-for-profits, is that their goal is to be a service to the community, and we should treat them that way. And again, he, you know, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Carzanel believes he can raise the funding to develop such a place using private funds. W- without all the, the red tape and the nonsense that comes with having a government-funded and, and I do. I wish him all the best. I can't wait for the chance to go out and see what they're doing. As I said, based on what he's describing, uh, you're going to have people that just want to show up because it's a, it's, it's a wonderful place to live. And isn't that a way to, to 
kind of grade a country based on how it treats the the least, the most helpless in our society, wouldn't that be a great thing to say, you know what, we're not going to stick them in a cinder block building and, you know, feed them three times a day. We've got a nice place for them where they can they can be engaged, they can be taken care of as needed, they can be stimulated as needed, have, have work opportunities, all in, in a caring environment. You know, to me, this is we the people doing these things rather than expecting some nameless, faceless government bureaucrat. Now, I have more news and I have more interviews for you then, but I've run out of time for today. But I hope you'll spread the word. I hope you'll let other people know that at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio network, they can hear the Constitution study. They can listen on a media player or on our apps for Apple, Android, or Alexa. And if you can't listen then, all of my shows go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. Find them on your favorite podcast app. And if you do, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. Now, you can find all those links on the homepage at americaoutloud.com. But I hope you'll do a couple of things. One, I hope you'll share those links. Two, I hope you'll engage with with Opscore and and Home Life Community, these, these programs that are trying to make our lives better. See, by doing that, by spreading this information, by sharing it far and wide, we are all working to share the blessings of liberty. 